Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And here it is, the 9th, the 9th, I say, of August 2022. The 9th at 9th. Nine nine. Yep, it's one, it's one day past your ex. Eighty nine, actually. But that's oh yeah, it's one year past one day. One, one one day past your anniversary with your darling wife, which was eight 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 eight, and you were married at eight in eighty eight or whatever that was eight eight eighty eight. Now, uh, what did you do? Did you do something nice? Flowers, candies, you know, some kind of, did you cook or something? Maybe a little cheese, wine, something? Yeah, I gave her the key to the wine cellar. Oh. So that she can go down there and grab something for you if you were too lazy to do it yourself. Yeah, there you go. Now you're talking. <laughs> this is what happens after 34 years. 34 years. Yeah, I just said 28, which is pretty if amazing. If you get to 50, then it's like, hey, what? <laughs> who, who? Yeah. All right, let's talk about what's going on. Aside from that, uh, I did lose a uh, AirPod this week. What does I, that mean? So, you know, the AirPods from Apple. Oh, yeah, and they're the ones that aren't hooked to anything. So when you lose one, they're ruined. A pair is ruined. Well, I didn't really necessarily lose it. What happened was I did something reckless. I had the ever-necessary Sunday night Chinese food. And I took You the, cooked it? No, I got it from a place. And they give you all those extra sauces that are in these little plastic... Um, uh, you know, what do they call those? Uh, canisters. Containers. Containers yeah. So I, I went, I don't know why I did this. I don't usually do this. I took the box of all the leftovers and just threw it in the garbage pail outside. And I was like, oh, bad idea. It just spilled all over the bottom of the garbage can. All these brown sauces and all this junk. Yeah. And I couldn't deal with it. I'm not dealing with this. I said, I'll do it tomorrow. So I went for a morning uh, little exercise route, get back to there. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should hit that garbage can. So the garbage cans are pretty big. You know, you lean it over. You got to reach all the way in. I said, let me go clean out some of these things first, and then I'll take it to the back, and I'll wash it out with a hose. So as I'm reaching down there and jiggling around and getting stuff, the left AirPod pops out of my ear right into the sludge. The goo. Oh. So I couldn't get it out right away. I tried. So I finally got it out. I did a little wash down of it. And just let's say, that's it. <laughs> it's done. It does not work. You're not going to make those things so they don't get ruined at the drop of a hat. Uh, yeah, this is, they, they tell you there's a couple of different ways. I tried everything. I put it in, I, I ripped over in a bag of that silica stuff. Yeah, good luck. I, I soaked it in that for a while. I used this vibration technique. Silica is good for water. Yeah, this definitely was more of a. Chinese sludge. God knows what it does to your stomach. Can let me ask you a question. Yes. Now, if that had happened on my garbage can, yeah. I would have let the garbage truck pick the garbage up, dump it in. The sludge is probably still be in the bottom, and I don't have to dig through anything and just wash it out then. I'm stupid. This is, uh, this is a learning experience. This is something I won't do in the future. So, but you, I should have called you. Why? John, what would you do under this circumstance? Yeah, you already figured out what you were going to do, and you did it. I did it. So I'll let it just sit in that silico for a while, and let's see what happens for a while. So anyway, how do you like this nice, warm short squeeze that we're seeing right now? I mean, we're seeing the highest short interest stocks, 
the highest basket of, we call it the Goldman Sachs high short interest basket, which is the stocks with the highest short interest getting absolutely revved higher until today. But yeah. wow. 15, 20, yeah. 25% in a couple of days. Yeah. We saw... And, the, and, the, and in particular, it was the old meme stocks, you know. We talked about some of the new meme stocks, but we saw the, the ever-present Bed Bath Beyond, which is, of course, going to be one of the, the dominant stores in the future. That's why people are bidding it up, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, Because you can't get things at Bed Bath Beyond. You can't get by that stuff they have there anywhere else cheaper. No. So, uh, obviously, that's a little... Sarcasm or a lot of sarcasm. So that's been going up. And then today it cooled off pretty substantially. Now, uh, we did see a huge move on the stocks that we picked last week. Wait till you see these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not so happy because it went against you, but it went right in my direction. Well, but you had a couple of good ones in there. I had some for last week's pick picks. I did not do well. No, I did. But you had a couple others for the last few weeks. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. For those of you that don't know this, because maybe you only participate in the first part of the show, at the end of the show, we do stock picks. We talk about some of the things that we think are going to be interesting. We go over our picks. And, of course, you can see all that over on dhunplug.com. There is an actual live ticking throughout the day, live uh, win-loss ratio, uh, percentage gain, uh, thesis, uh, information about the stocks that we pick is very transparent. You can see it there because everybody loves transparency, don't they? It, well, they all say they do. Yeah. So uh, what else do we got? Recession. Recession. Employment numbers that we saw last week, we ain't got no stinking recession. Not with those numbers, if they can be believed. Yeah. We saw a drop in the unemployment rate down to 3.5%. We saw an increase in the overall jobs by 500,000. And we saw an increase and revision to the previous month's wage report. So the hour, average hourly earnings went up from last month from 0.3 to 0.4. And this month went from the expectation of 0.4 to 0.5. <laughs> so there's more people working. There's less people being laid off. Better employment situation, and everybody's making more money. What in the world could go wrong? Seems well, what? Like, it seems like a good recipe for a, a decent, a decent uh, overall um, economic backdrop, don't you think? Yeah, it sounds like a like the uh, exact right backdrop. But okay. Every time now, when I go to the store, I notice exactly how much more I have to spend. Generally speaking, and a thirty, I'd say, I'm saying, I'm generally seeing thirty three percent, not ten, uh, on all my grocery shopping. Right, right now, from a year ago, you remember the old buy one get one, the bogos. Yeah, the good old bogos. You know the what they are old now? Bogos. It's buy two get one. Well, that's a, a, a bogoflation. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's unbelievable. My wife brought Diet Cokes for me today. She says, do you know how much these cost? I'm like, actually, I don't because I stayed away from buying them recently. She said, well, I bought some for the house, and it used to be one of those 12 packs. It was about 25 cents, 20 to 25 cents a can, those cans of Diet Coke. Yeah. Now they're double. In the last year, they've doubled. 
And, and they've gone up like 30% in the last three months. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Things are going up. Yep. And it doesn't, doesn't stop if you have relatively decent employment numbers and wage growth happening because people are happy to spend. Now, people say, well, wait a second. We got an inflation of 8 9% or whatever the exact number is. And you're telling me this is good when you have wage growth that's, you know, 5%? The or thi- what is it, 0.5? Was it, was it 5%? It's, it's 0.5, but you annualize it over a year, that's 6%. You look at it month to month. So it's if you annualize it, and here's the interesting thing. Don't you analyze the monthly inflation rate then if you're going to make comparisons? I made the comparison. I annualized it already. So the annualized inflation rate is, let's say, 8 9%, somewhere around there. And the annualized wage growth is 6%. So you're still they in the hole. It. You're big time. Yeah, still in the hole. However, the difference is that wage growth is sticky. So you'll have that wage growth that holds on, and you may have a backup in prices. Ah, uh, ha! When did, when did that happen last time? Well, we did see some of that over. I the- mean, it does happen with gasoline. Gas gasoline fluctuates; it always has. Right. Doesn't fluctuate back to twenty five cents when I was a kid, but it fluctuates a bit, a buck up, down, whatever. Uh, but everything else is sticky. I don't see prices ever dropping. I can't imagine we're going to see these kinds of prices maintain. Uh, the growth that we've had. And if you go back to just a 2% wage growth for a while, uh, the problem comes into this. Here's where the big problem comes in. And this is where everybody's nervous about. The stickiness in, in particular may not be an issue from an economic standpoint that, well, we have this you know increase in, in, in prices, but yet slightly lower wages. So people are still a problem. The problem comes in that companies have to pay people more. And as a recession or a slowdown happens, all of a sudden they're paying people more and they're recognizing that, wait a second, one of the best cuts I can make is to my employment roles. That will save me a lot of money. Yep. And that's happening. We've seen that, you know, a thousand here, 10% of the workforce there. Deadwood, there's not a company in the world that couldn't be trimmed. Yeah, of course. So all of a sudden you start to see that whenever that happens. I don't know when that happens. You would expect it to happen or start it started to happen. But No. It looks like uh, there is a major push into November to make everything look really good. Between the fact that we are, st- you know, putting our foot down and going to Taiwan, to signing the bill for chips, to um, killing somebody in the the Afghanistan, which the mayor, as according to the discussion on No Agenda, Tuesday, uh, Thursdays and Sundays, of course, with Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak, two p.m. in the afternoon live. It may or may not be somebody who has been killed before. Or maybe twice before. <laughs> maybe twice before. You don't know. But he's. But the good news is he's dead again. Yeah. Dead we got again. him. We got him. We got him. So anyway, uh, as things are happening with the markets, we're seeing some interesting things start to un- unravel. And at the same t- time, uncovering some really interesting st- statistics. Like, for example, credit is expanding. Credit is expanding dramatically. We got a chart on that. I believe we mm-hmm. got a chart on that. Uh, charts that we're seeing right now, a lot of people are starting to think again, wait a second, this nice run-up that we had in July could just be another bear market bounce like we saw in X year. And all these analog charts are making the rounds now. We got um, some other things that are happening that will move markets, like the CPI is coming out tomorrow, PPI on Thursday. 
We have Amazon and a variety of other companies looking at acquisitions. Amazon is buying a company. We're going to talk about this. This is pretty fascinating with what they're buying. Um, and uh, layoffs in Techland is starting to happen. But also, big announcement from Microsoft about uh, what they're doing with expenses. So all of this coming up right here. Ready to hit it all? Let's see. Well, we have a post-employment number walk back. It's been a part of the process with the Fed, which has become the all-important central focus, which they love, of the markets. And if you recall last Wednesday, the Fed said, or the, was it the Wednesday before that? Last Wednesday. I think it was the Wednesday before that. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, when the Fed came out with their recent 0.75% rate hike, there was a commentary by Powell that talked about how, well, we'll have to watch for the data. You know, now they're going to watch the data. Before they were on a plan to hike, and now they're going to go out and be data-dependent. That's the word, data-dependent. All these phrases. We, you know, we, we've uncovered so many phrases over the years, right? That, that means... Yeah, they, well, they, that's a way to cover up uh, the mess they're in. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, the Fed parade of backwalkers, backward-walking people that are just going to say, oh, no, no, that's not what you meant. The market misunderstood, misrepresented. Uh, you know, these backward workers that come out and say, you know what he really meant, or my belief is, in contrast to what we're probably going to do. So we saw that Federal Reserve Governor Michelle Bauman said Saturday that she supports the central bank's recent big interest rate increases and thinks that they are likely to continue until inflation is subdued. That's on the top of what we saw with uh, Cash Carry, on the top of Brainerd, on the top of Bullard, and now Bauman. There's a lot of Bs in there. Bauman, Brainerd, and Bullard. Bullard. Sounds like a really bad dental practice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or a bad <laughs> rock band. Yeah. <laughs> so now she also continues to say, my view is that similarly sized increases, similar, similarly sized increases should be on the table until we see inflation declining in a consistent, meaningful, and lasting way. Now, first of all, how do you quantify something like that? Declining in not a consistent- possible. Not possible. So they say this crap to make it look like that we are on the job, we are going to make sure that we are steadfast in our determination to make sure that inflation is declining in a, what do we say here? A consistent, meaningful, and lasting way. So we're seeing this across the board from all these different speakers. And now what's happened is after the numbers we saw last Friday on the employment numbers that we went from about a 40% chance of a 0.75% rate hike to something like 75% now. So it looks like we're back in the saddle for a big rate increase in September. So let's see, we have to, we get through August here. Yeah, so we have a whole month of them jawboning to every piece of data that comes out because they're data dependent now. So we got the CPI coming out tomorrow. All hell's going to break loose. Either way, with however the market wants to interpret the numbers. Mm. So are we going to see 8%, 9%, 10%, or 6%? Big question. And on top of this now, we have a new spending bill. Summary? The Climate, Healthcare, and Tax Bill 
passed the U.S. Senate over the weekend. We saw that and could shave supposedly corporate earnings slightly and make companies pull forward their share repurchase plans while giving a boost to some sectors like electric vehicle makers, getting more money, biofuel, getting more money, and solar energy. So there's a total package of $430 billion. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. It's going to impose new excise taxes on stock buybacks and a minimum 15% on corporations. So I don't know how you want to explain to me how that's going to be disinflationary. It doesn't make any sense. It's like the the inflation bill. Everything in there is inflationary. Right. We're going to spend money to slow down inflation. The idea, the idea. Well, not that, even spend money, throw money away. Yeah. Well, government is, the very nature of government spending is throwing money away, isn't it? Well, looks like it. So the chips bill that they passed that is going to try to. You got a chips bill. Bring more. Inflation Reduction Act and the chips bill. Yeah. So a lot of money spent on new employment, increasing the employment in the U.S. through building of various uh, factories, manufacturing, distribution, fabs, right? All these things that are going to happen. I don't know how that's more jobs. That's not disinflationary. But the big thing on this side is they're all concerned. And Oh, 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 oh. You know what? They are, um, but there was a, in the bill to begin with, there's a lot of little loopholes and things that just tried to close. One of them was the carried interest. That's where private equity, uh, the owners can actually defer and get a lower tax break on the money they make from earning money for, for other people. In other words, it's bullshit. This is a scam. Total scam. It's been going on for years. Years and years and years and years. So finally, they were going to do this, right? Mansion was in in, in on a few other people. They finally all caved. Mansion got a major major gas pipeline that will be- Got some graph for the country, for for a state, sure. Mm -hmm. I like how you say that, graph. That's good. That's what it is. Legal. Legal graph. Right? Is it? Yeah, I guess. So the commentary about this one bill is that the one thing that stands out when it comes to stocks is that you're going to see an acceleration of buybacks before the end of this year because companies would rather not oh, pay I, the That's interesting. Right. If you have a one, it's not a big deal, but a 1% or 1.5% excise tax on stock buybacks, why not just get these all in? So yeah, there's this window yep, through the end of the logical. year. Yep, yep, See a lot yep. of announcements coming about stock buybacks. A couple billion here, a couple billion there. Why not? Why not? In other corporate news. Oops, hold, hold on. My machine's about to go. Hang on. Oh, your machine's going. Hmm. Gonna, uh, What's happening? Crash. You, you're going to crash? Hello? Oh, well, that's that. Now, we're just going to talk about one of his favorite topics, Pfizer. What do you think? What happened to John? Where did the crash go? I'm going to have to, let's see here. I'm going to stop, stop this recording and come right back when John is back. Hang on. Well, I'm not editing this, so we're back. There was a little bit of a catastrophe on John's end. Something happened. You know, some of the people in... Um, 
in the chat room were, were, were saying, I said, what happened? And they said, well, you started talking about Pfizer, didn't you? <laughs> Three right off. Really. Three right off. They just kicked me off. We were going to talk about Pfizer. Seriously. Well, let's talk about Pfizer now. So, new income source. Pfizer will buy blood disorder drug maker Global Blood Therapeutics. In a $5.4 billion deal as it looks to boost its pipeline to combat a potential slowdown in COVID product demand that analysts expect and anticipate from falling cases. GBT yeah, makes, but they, they, they get, it's a gift that keeps on giving, so now they have blood disorders. Right, so now, so now they're making this, they're buying this uh, company that has a, a, drug, a drug called Oxbirta, which was first approved in 2019 to treat sickle cell disease among patients aged 12 years or older, sickle cell, sickle cell anemia. I guess it's called sickle cell anemia. So what I don't understand is, let's for a moment pretend that Pfizer is not buying this company. Pfizer does not have any, there's no, no such thing as COVID. No such thing. It never happened, okay? Does that mean Pfizer had no other drugs? No other things? Nothing? Yeah, it does seem a little peculiar. I mean, they got Viagra. They got one of the statins. They got a bunch of things. A lot of money. Well, I think the, the couple of the drugs that they have are the biggest money makers of all drugs. They're whatever statin is. It's Lipitor, the other one. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting is that they need to keep on on pumping this because they think this is going to slow down. Like, And why is it, if you ever looked at a chart on Pfizer, not very impressive, the overall you know, move, considering the fact they cornered the market pretty much with one other company on the drugs for a worldwide pandemic. You yeah. would think that, you know, hey, that's uh, probably a good thing that good governments thing. were paying for. Crazy. Yeah. Well, but uh, again, a lot of uh, Pfizer unraveling has happened on No Agenda, so I encourage you to listen to that as well. Tech layoffs. Several companies have discussed layoffs or either stop hire mandates. Today, Microsoft is now, I, I, I want you to, to talk to tell me what you think about this line. Microsoft is asking managers to reduce employee expenses on business travel and outside training. I found that relatively peculiar. Uh, why? Well, it seems to me that that is almost a panic move. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because the travel uh, business right now is out of control. It costs too much to fly. You get stuck. You can't get back. It costs that costs the company money in every which way. So I think, you know, tone it down for a year or two. We'll go back to business, you know, when it's all calms down. That's why I always look at it. But it would seem like this is one of those things where they're looking around at every little scrap to save as much as they can on. Maybe so they don't have to do layoffs, but they also came in recently with a commentary that they're stopping uh, any new hiring and, or slowing down the entire hiring process? I don't know. It seems like there's a lot more behind the scenes. Meanwhile, well, maybe maybe their numbers are going to... I mean, I had it shorted on the game. I, I think the company price is way too high, and I think they're, they may be making... Maybe end up in a, a burst mode for making money, and it's going to dry up. A lot of their stuff is... You know, not worth it. I find it, I find, again, I find it interesting. We're seeing a lot of these little commentaries from companies about all these little layoffs. Services are doing better, of course. We know that. And But some of these other companies, it really, 
is a bit of a, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a sinkhole happening. Remember we've talked about that over the years, like today's market, the NASDAQ was down, Dow was down ever so slightly, S&P was down a bit, but we saw that Microsoft and uh, Apple, for example, uh, were held up all day. And underneath it, things were crumbling. And we didn't see on many times a similar situation happening, a market really start to cave in until all of the big names started coming in. Mm. And you got to wonder if there is a, uh, if there is a, um, if there's something going on where people are doing a, 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 a flight to safety and what's going to happen is that that's going to run out after a while. And then we'll see the next move lower, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, because we have these charts I want to show you. But credit card debt, some things that are also happening, people are still spending. We know that. The idea that the consumer is resilient, that's a commentary you hear a lot. The consumer is con resilient into the face of a recession. Even though things are slowing and prices are higher, the consumer has found a way. Well, I'll tell you how they found a way. You want to know how? Because they opened 233 million credit card accounts since April. Uh -huh. That'll do it. The largest increase since 2008. Think about that for a second. 233 million credit card accounts. Now, just help me out with some of my numbers, John, because you you're the you're the keeper of this information. How I think many it's people, everybody in the every in the public member, they're just sending cards out. How many people are in the United States? About 330 million. And uh, that includes women, children, men, babies, every, babies. babies everybody. Yeah. 233 million is pretty much, I would say, the entire population over the age yeah. of what? 10? Everyone except you and me. Right, yeah, right. Right. So all these credit card accounts are being opened. Again, the largest increase since 2008. Sounds bogus, that number. I don't think so because credit card debt is up 13% since April. Again, the largest increase since 2001. Total credit card debt is set to cross a trillion dollars for the first time ever. This is a bubble that is expanding, according to the Kobayashi letter. Whatever the hell this that is. This is not a good bubble. Every time this bubble gets too big, it creates a, creates a problem in the economy. Right. So what we had is this. We have consumers that were not doing well, but COVID came around. Real problem, right? They're not working, they're not going, you know, things like that. Uh, and all of a sudden, their entire balance sheet is repaired pretty much overnight within six months of getting extraordinary amounts of money in. Maybe even not only getting money in, but making more money than they ever made. Because as they're getting in their stimulus checks, on top of the other stimulus checks, they're still working and making payments from other places, right? All this is going on. They're just socking away money. And then yeah. they do a burst of spending. And then the stimulus is still going on. And all of a sudden, the stimulus ends. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to stop my spending because I enjoy going out. I deserve it. Right? Uh, I, I, I am, a, a, you know, why should I suffer? Who knows? We can have another pandemic that wipes out everybody. A nuclear war. I am going to spend money and not worry too much about it. That's when you get this kind of situation. And now when you have credit card debt is up 13%, set to cross a trillion dollars for the first time ever on the back of already ridiculous hotly high credit card fees, credit card cost 21%. Anyone? It's not like, 
oh, it, rates are going up. That means credit card fees are going to, you know, rates going to go up. They're, they're as high as they can get to begin with, legally. And all of a sudden, now, the next side, the, the over the top of the hill, when we start rolling over the jobs and people can no longer afford things and they finish off and top off their credit and then can no longer afford to pay that credit, right? You following all this? Yeah. This is where it goes sideways. If, that's a lot of ifs there, ifs. So, um, well, that's the rationale for stopping inflation, what you just de described. Yep, that could stop inflation, definitely. But in the meantime, we're, we're pumping the inflation with the use of credit. I think it's, it's pretty outstanding. Yeah. Right. Astounding, too. Okay, now, so everybody is thinking about, let's call it uh, June 15th. Let's take us back to June 15th. Oh, the end is near. We're going down. We're going to be hitting 3,100 on the S&P 500 or less. And we calculate the price earnings multiples, and it's going to be probably during a recession 15. If we take 10% uh, off of where we are, well, we're thinking it was going to be 220 to $240 of earnings. Well, let's drop it to 200. You take 200, you multiply it by a 15 multiple, you get 3,000. That's the benchmark price of where the S&P is going to be. Another 20% reduction from where it was. Blah, 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 blah. Right, this whole mind screw, and and this 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 analytical masturbation that was going on, and everybody was like, "It's going down." Right? I'm thinking, I don't know. It looks like the economy's still pretty good. Remember that? I mean, I don't know what everybody's freaking out about, but right now it's okay. We're talking ourselves into a recession. We're talking ourselves into a bear market. Okay. Fast forward a few weeks, the dreaded Dow Jones Industrial Average chart is once again here. And let's uh, pull that up. And I'm going to try to say, let's see if I can do this. Uh, let's see if I can do this. If this works. Should be a chart showing up in the chat room. Maybe. There it goes. Uh, is this the, is, we're talking about this. Yeah. I want the chat room to follow along with us. You can click that and it will probably open that up pretty nicely. Um, so, and then press, uh, yeah, they click it and open up. Okay. So why don't you tell us what we're looking at here? If you can, unless you need me to help you. Well, with. it looks like you're doing a, uh, kind of a today's Dow Jones overlaid with the 2000. I don't know what you're doing here, to be honest about it. You get the two, two, 2020, 2023 Dow Jones, right? which is. So the white, white line is 2005. We'll call it through yeah, 2009. 2005. Right. And the, then the other one is today. And so you they overlay pretty evenly. Well, not really, but at the beginning, there starts too low, but it, then it gets to, it, then it kind of follows the pattern of the old one. And then it's at the inflection point where now, if this fault keeps going this way, this thing is going to collapse from whatever it is, uh, 32 to it looks like 19. Yeah. Right. So we should go from 32,000 on the Dow Jones, according to this, to 19,000, probably in it looks like six months, it, within a six month period. Yeah. So it'd be if we're right now, we got another, yeah, six to eight months, something like that. Right. Yeah. So, so this is a pretty, I think the analog. Bombs away. Yeah. I think the analog here is pretty interesting when it comes to 
First of all, you can overlay anything you want and and, and futz with the numbers yeah, and make it work. You can do this all the time and it never works. But I mean, it works until you have to push it forward to into the future. That doesn't work anymore. But uh, it looks like time to short everything. It does. Um, and then the next one is another chart. And let me copy this here. Let's yeah, I would definitely recommend people to check these charts out. So this is the S&P 500. Yeah, same thing. Only this S&P 500 uh, matches a little better, I'd say, from the beginning. And it looks as if it's going to go from 41, uh, or now it's at, what is it today? 41.50. 4150. Okay, 41.50. And it's going to collapse to about 3,100. Right, which is exactly what was the estimations and everybody was freaking out about for forever. So this analog is pretty good. I mean, it, it this again, one's better than the other one, yeah. but it's still got some issues. But let's look at the ranges for a second. On the left-hand side, we go from 3,000 to 4,800, right? So that would be the equivalent of a 40% move. Would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah. On the right, we go from 1,200 to 1,500, which is 300, 300 uh, total spread, um, which is more like a 30% move. Yeah, more or less. Mm. Yeah. Again, the problem is if you if you, if you condense everything, there you is, know, you, this is always the problem with these things. Right. The, the, the directionality is what's interesting here, and, and, and the, what? The, yeah. The, the directionality and the time period is what's interesting. Yeah, the time period is is good, and it looks as if we have about a week. To yeah. two weeks to pack maybe up it. to pack up and buy the canned goods. <laughs> to get your canned goods. Yeah. You got about two weeks to get your canned goods. Toilet paper is a must. And uh, tampons, I guess. Oh, yes. Don't Lots forget of about those. Yeah, a lot of uses for those. A lot of uses for those. All right. Uh, Berkshire came out with uh, earnings this weekend. Good and bad. Operating earnings marked a 38.8% increase from the same quarter a year ago. Oh, good. Nothing wrong with that. Excellent. However... The company posted a $53 billion loss on its investments during the quarter. But, 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 but Warren Buffett says, hey, 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 please do not focus on the quarterly fluctuations of its equity investments, which I could, I could agree with that. Yeah. He said the amount of investment gains and losses in any given quarter is usually meaningless and delivers figures for net earnings per share can be extremely misleading, blah, 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 blah. He said it's been about a product. Now, here's also interesting. You know, one of the things that Warren Buffett um, said for years was he wasn't going to do buybacks unless he felt, felt that the stock was tremendously undervalued. That ended some time ago. They've been doing a lot of buybacks, uh, bought back a billion dollars in shares during the second quarter, bringing mm. the six-month total to $4.2 billion of buybacks. Again, helping earnings. Uh, Elon is in the news again. He, uh, he is now challenging Twitter to a public debate about the percentage of bots on the social media platform. What kind of a public debate is this when the, he has no numbers? Well, I don't except know. The, except the numbers they gave him. It seems What's to me. What's he going to debate? Yeah, it seems to me that the fact that he's doing this on Twitter is already a public debate. Yeah, I guess it is. Right? So he yeah. wants he wants them to let, let, let him... To the, uh, speaking to the chief executive officer of Twitter, let him prove to the public 
that Twitter has less than 5% fake or spam, spam daily users. And, and the big issue moving forward with this whole deal, because, of course, he's trapped into the requirement of buying it and may not only be able to back out under certain circumstances for the billion-dollar uh, breakup fee. So the problem is he is trying to figure ways to get this thing soured dramatically because the only real way he can get out of this otherwise, unless it was a, a material fraud, I suppose, is that the banks would have to back out, back out of the funding. So the problem is if the banks do back out of the funding, the banks that provided the funding are going to be seen by other possible companies as not good to do business with. That's a problem. Um, and if they do, <laughs> if they do uh, fund it and stay with it, it's, it's way overpriced at this point. No, it's totally overpriced. He's going to have to get it at about half of what he offered to begin with. Mm -hmm. Now, quickly going through a few of these other things, uh, Amazon. Amazon is buying the company iRobot for $61 a share in an all-cash deal that values the Roomba maker at $1.7 billion. Yeah, what a shame. Now, you know what this Roomba is, right? You know this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a stupid little duster that goes around the house and it's worth $1.7 mm -hmm. billion. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting acquisition, perhaps one of the biggest uh, selling items on Amazon. So now they can profit from, from this. That's one possibility, right? Yeah. However, you're going to like this. There's some discussion that uh, the real reason that they're buying this company is that they can map your house. Yeah, probably working for the CIA. Everyone's house needs mapping. No, but seriously, Amazon already has Alexa. They have Ring. They have Eero. So it's already in your house and add, adding the iRobot mapping technology will allow it to further understand of what it takes places, what takes place in the households. For example, a Bloomberg article is suggesting that Amazon may seek to monetize the data to sell to marketers. For example, the size of your house is a pretty good proxy for your wealth. A floor covered with toys means you likely have kids. A household without much furniture is a household which you could try to sell more furniture. What do you think about that? It's a stretch. You think so? I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's like those stupid, remember the goggles that I forgot called Connect or whatever they were from Microsoft? And it was this device that could follow your eyes. It was like binoculars that you put on top of the computer or in your house. Oh, yeah, so yeah. You play right. So you can play games. Yep, yep. And you can play tennis and stuff without a visor on. It supposedly was mapping your house or mapping the, the family room because it could see the whole room. And then it was doing that. So for the same dumb reason, so they could sell some dumb, again, I use the word dumb, some dumb advertisers on the idea that, well, you know, this guy only has a couch. You can probably sell him a, a side chair or maybe a table. Uh, yeah. This, this stuff always falls apart. It never works. I think that if people feel that, so it works insofar as suckering some idiot advertiser into b believing it. That's what it were, how it works. I would venture to say that if Amazon does this and, in fact, does send data back for use with marketing, they would have to have some kind of an opt-out procedure. And I would believe, <laughs> I don't know about you, I'd be like, you are not mapping my house. 
I agree, but they would just have some sort of a, you know, Eula, uh, you, Eula that kind of says that in there. Yeah. More on Amazon, we have the lollipop hustle. So, you know, dum-dums, the little cheap, horrible, round lollipops that have, like, no lollipop on them. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, lollipop uh, uh, handle, but no lollipop on it. Yeah, vaguely. So this is the Spangler Candy Company sells it. But they found it was cheaper on Amazon through third party than direct. So like diverting is going on where you're getting an order, they're buying it from an outlet somewhere else and have it shipped directly. And Spangler said, I don't understand. How are they selling this cheaper than we sell it? And they actually ordered 500. And what they did was they said it's the real thing. It's not a fake. And uh, the problem is that they're figuring out that that these these marketers – are looking for the various products around the world that may be cheaper than the real ones sold, not the real ones, the the, the ones sold by the the, the actual uh, distributor or the company and selling it for less. I don't see a problem with that. Do you? No, it's just whining. Yeah, because- the Amazon's been pulling this stunt for, since they were in the book business. And all the publishers in New York, I remember being there, listening to them complain. You know, like half the time you'd find second, you know, you know, they like on the when the book company dumps all their books and you see them uh, uh, on the table at the bookstore and they're all book and a half. Amazon would buy all those up and sell them at full price, and and just keep them in inventory because you know people eventually want to buy everything, and uh, they would also find other outlets for books and then they sell them as used when they weren't. You get a lot of, I don't know if you then bought refurbished or a lot of this stuff from Amazon. That stuff is, I bought refurbished a lot. It's brand new. Yeah. That's the returns. It's either a return or it's not. There's some evidence it's not even a return. It's just a back, you know, some sort of a backdoor deal or fell off a truck. I don't know. Oh. It does, a lot of it stuff shows no evidence has ever been used ever. Hmm. Especially when you get in some kind of uh, technology and you notice that the power cord is wound up perfectly. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Nobody does that. Nobody, nobody can do that. Nobody does that. <laughs> All right. We have uh, a, a move from monkeypox to polio now. Hundreds of people could have somehow contracted polio after an adult in the suburb of New York City caught the virus and suffered paralysis last month. So New York State Health Commissioner Mary Bassett Warned that the uh, confirmed polio case is an, un, is an unvaccinated adult coupled with detection of the virus in the sewage. Now, is this going on everywhere? This sewage testing? The sewage testing is going on most places. Oh. I know it's going on out here, but I, but there's a back back uh, some back information on no one who wants to bring into the mainstream. But most of the places where this polio is showing up. Because the only place that polio still exists is in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And ever, after we pull out of Afghanistan and let all these Afghanis come into the country, just pretty much on our dime, they're all pocketed here and there. And they're the ones that probably have the polio in their system. Hmm. So it's, a, it's Biden's policies. Uh. It's bad, bad administration. Some earnings news, upstart misses by seven cents, misses on revenues, guys below, revenues below. Previously got it down last month, already leaking down. NVIDIA pre-announced yesterday ahead of its 824 or August 24th earnings, warned its Q4 revenue will be about $6.7 billion versus prior outlook, 
of 8.1. Micron came out uh, today, guided down also, and the chip sector just went pissy. Mm. Big problems with the uh, chip industry. Now, in good news, we have uh, a Lemonades from Lemons story. There's a big drought in France. Big drought. Big problems. But it's a big win for salt farmers. What the hell's a salt? Oh, the, the Fleur de Sel guys? Yeah, Fleur de Sel. The uh. flower of salt, which crystallizes on the water's surface. And it's one of the finer salts on the world markets, retailing in the United States for about 100 bucks a kilo or about 40 bucks a pound. Yeah. It's a salt that has a thin and delicate crust on the surface of seawater. As it's a evaporates. good salt. That's what I use for a lot of my cooking. Yeah. So now it's been collected since ancient times, which traditionally used. I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. I don't even know what this word meant. But maybe you do because you're smarter than I am. It no. was traditionally used as a purgative and a salve. A salve. Salve. Sorry. Salve. Yeah, you put it on, your, on a wound. It'll probably, you know, hurt like hell. like hell, I'm sure. What's a purgative? It's something that makes you purge, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It makes you throw up. It gives you purging or diarrhea to get the bad stuff out. So somehow you'd eat tons of salt and puke and poop. There you go. I don't know why fleur de sel is any better than regular salt for salve or purgative, to be honest about it. The reason it's good in cooking when you or salads in particular is because if you want to know. I do. Uh, I do. Besides the taste, it just has a nice flavor and it's crunchy. It's a little bigger. It's a little bigger pieces than normal powdered or normal salt crystals. It has a moisture content. Uh, and the mo because it has a moisture content, it doesn't just dissolve in water instantly. Mm. Or if you put a salad dressing on it, you stir it all up. The salt crystals crystals often stay intact, and they have a they have a nice crunch to them when you're chewing through a salad. And uh, that's because of the uh, because it has a moisture content already, so it doesn't it doesn't instantly dissolve like some of these kosher salts and other salts do. Interesting. There you go. More fabulous information only found here. <laughs> Useless information. <laughs> you find a DHA plugged Tuesday nights. Where else do you find this kind of stuff? Uh, deal time. App Lovin has submitted a compelling uh, non-binding proposal. The board is, this is a weird one. The board of directors of Unity Software, which I bought for clients last week, by the way, which was great timing, um, to combine app loving with Unity in a transaction where each outstanding share of Unity it transfers in, blah, 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 blah. Bottom line, $58 a share. Shares were trading at about 49 and change before this came out today. And then uh, it was up about 12%, about $56 today uh, before the open. And nice. um, there could be some, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. Could be some antitrust stock problems here and all that. Uh, App loving came down. So that brought down the price of potentially where it was going to buy because they were going to use 1.152 shares. And as App loving was coming down, the deal price came down. It hasn't agreed to, been agreed to by either party. And would expect that Unity would want more, but AppLovin' pockets are not as deep. The problem is the stock closed at 49. And after hours, it came out with earnings that were questionable. I think it was about 48, 75, 49 um, at the end of uh, the trading today, but totally just disregarded the, the buying deal here. And, and yeah. usually when that happens, you still have a bid. Because who knows who else wants to buy it, right? Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, crazy. Uh, crypto, hack attack. So here's some interesting uh, history and uh, culmination of information 
about what's going on in the crypto market and why there's maybe some skittishness right now. Thieves stole an estimated $190 million from U.S. crypto firm Nomad last week. $190 million. It was the seventh hack of 2022 to target an increasingly important, what they call cog in the crypto machine, blockchain bridges, which is basically strings of code that help move crypto coins between different applications. The whole point of utilization of crypto. So, so far this year's this year, hackers have stolen more than $1.2 billion from bridges. Huh. Here's my idea. And you, uh, all you people that are building these things, maybe you should just listen for a moment. Maybe stop getting high and trying to think of these great ideas without any solid code proof and hack proof before you build it. Maybe what you should do is build from the top down, or that what you're doing is building from the top down versus the bottom up. You follow what I'm saying, John? Yeah, in other words, know what you're doing. Know what you're doing, hire good people, test it, and maybe use not real money as you're going through this. Now, the problem is that if you don't use real money, the hackers are not going to try to attempt to attack it. Therefore, you know, and what you should do is, by the way, hire some hackers, more hackers to work with you to hack-proof it. It's pathetic that $1.2 billion have been basically just stolen. Yeah, from that's shoddy, a lot of money. From shoddy workmanship. Terrible. Last thing in this section, uh, SoftBank. You know them. Of course. Uh, SoftBank is losing all sorts of money. In fact, they announced yesterday, they, met, they, they in the quarterly report, they lost the largest amount ever in a quarter. They lost $24.5 billion last quarter. Seems like a lot. Largest in history. Basically what it did, this loss evaporated all the gains that they made, those monstrous gains since 2017. And there's a chart. Mm. And this chart is the cumulative gains, gains uh, of SoftBank going back to what? Uh, 2017. So if you look at this, what you're seeing here is that they had, you know, okay, run up in 17, 18, 19, right? They, they yeah. Nice cumulative gains, $2 billion of gains. Yeah. Uh, or there's just JPY in billions. So we'll, we'll talk about in JPY. That's fine. Uh, but 230, uh, uh, whatever that is, 2 trillion in uh, Japanese yen? Yes. Yeah, back in like that. 2019. Then, then take a big loss right into into the COVID time, and then ramped up dramatically. Yeah, they really skyrocketed. Right, seven trillion yen in total cumulative profits. That basically now they're down to 112. Somebody should, you'd think, maybe would be putting some money aside for a rainy day. Maybe a little bit of hedging. Hedging would be good. Maybe a little bit of risk management. You wonder where the risk managers were in this process. I don't I'll, know. I'll tell I don't you where they are. There anymore. I'll tell you where they are. There are none. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's there can't be. The way these guys operate. Now. Yeah. The way these guys operate, there's no way. I mean, they have somebody probably sitting in an office or in a basement 
you know, I, most of the day just rolling sushi and the rest of the time doing risk, risk management. I mean, this is, uh, this is pitiful. Pitiful. Terrible. Uh, DH Unplugged, well, the uh, close to the pin is going on right now for Airbnb. Check it out. We're going to be closing that down on Friday. The winner will get a DH Unplugged T-shirt. Be uh, eligible for the, the close to the pin cup. The DH Unplugged close to the pin cup at the end of the year. We're going to get trophies and prizes and fame and fortune. Infamy. So that's pretty cool. Uh, donations appreciated. Not re required, but yet uh, much, uh, much loved. Get personal note from us. And now let's get to the stocks. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. What are you seeing, John? What are you hearing? What are you learning? Yeah, there's a lot of green, but the last week there we did one, two, three, four picks. And of the four picks, one of them skyrocketed um, to uh, 89.47% up. It was a short on uh, ADR, uh, ADRs from AMTD. And you shorted it at 19,000. Uh, it's 1900 and went to 200 that's more than 89 percent four no that's right yeah could be anyway it's it's way up it's a big gainer for the week uh my three i have two dead monies and one went down 73 percent which which is also a no stop two weeks uh which is uh a long on amtd uh same same stock i don't remember doing this you took the other side of it i said this is the one that was uh, okay. hasn't, hasn't run up yet. And you're like, oh, let's uh, take a flyer on that one. Take the other. Okay. Side. I took it as a momentum, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but meanwhile, in the background, we have a couple of winners at the uh, KRTX, the Kahuna or Kanuna uh, Therapeutics is up 76%. And this just happened lately from 131 to 233. That was a long, mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty good looking one. Anything else you got? Yeah. The, Ver, uh, Verica Pharmaceuticals, which is also one of my picks. It was a bottom feeding penny stock, went from 280 to 330. So it's up a bit, uh, almost 25%. And, uh, but uh, the, the short of AMTD Digital is, uh, is definitely remarkable. We will take that off the list next week. I don't think it's going to, I mean, it, could it go down to $75? But I'm not going to make much more on this, right? You know, is, how, how much more can you make on this? No, you know, oh, oh, maybe so. Uh, the bat phone, yes, yeah, probably it's after seven, so people think they can call me, so they're calling. Ah, so you have any picks? Uh, no, I got nothing this I week. I got nothing this week. We're gonna end it right there. You're gonna make sure to pick up that phone, say hello for me, and I'll see you again next week. All right, see you then. All right, bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, cause I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. 
Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the ice stack. Cause I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. <laughs> Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.